Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is plushcare. Plushcare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. I call it a kind of tech adolescence. I think we're all going through a tech adolescence because it has only been 12 years mm. since the first iPhone. So we've, as adults and parents, we've had to learn how to use the tech at the same time as kids are using it. And I think that's one of the big problems. Well, we've all been pushed around. Hello and welcome to It's Complicated, the podcast to help you untangle your relationship with your phone. I'm Tanya Goodin, and each week I'll be talking to my guests about how they manage the relationship with the tiny tyrant in their pocket. We'll be talking about how our phone habits affect our work, our lives and our loves, and about what our relationship with our phone might just tell us about our relationship with ourselves. If you want help and you want hope, you've come to the right place. This is It's Complicated. This bonus episode is a little bit different for the podcast. In response to questions I've had about me and my background, why I set up Time to Log Off and the story behind this podcast, I thought I'd answer some of them by getting someone to interview me. And I've asked my favourite millennial, Rachel Hosey. Rachel is Senior Lifestyle Reporter at Business Insider and she's the host of the hugely popular Millennial Love podcast. I hope you enjoy this bonus episode. Okay, so Tanya, obviously you keep interviewing these amazing guests about their relationships to their digital devices and everything. But I think what a lot of people want to know about is you, because you have the most fascinating backstory with regard to tech and the digital world. So I think you need to start by rewinding to the beginning and can you tell us all a little bit about your first foray into the digital world? Because it, you had a very different relationship to tech way back when, didn't you? I did. Well, everyone had a very different relationship. True. Yeah. So I set a digital business up in 1995. <laughs> so every time I say that, I have to add, obviously, I was a child prodigy because yeah, that's yeah, a yeah. long, long time ago. Right. Yeah. You were about uh, five at yeah, the time, that's right? right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Maybe seven. Um <laughs> And so I actually set my business up the same year that Amazon and eBay launched. It's incredible. And three years before Google launched. I love that stat, that line. 
That is so good. Three years before Google. Three years before you, Google. You you just knew that online digital was going to be something huge. I did. And it's really difficult now. Obviously, when you talk about it now, everyone goes, well, that was obvious, wasn't it? But it really wasn't mm. in 95. I remember seeing, so there were 50 five zero websites in the UK when I set up my business. Wow. 50. That was it. I mean, do we know how many there are now? God knows. Uh, billions right? billions yeah but i remember seeing the first website and i remember seeing this line of code or line of image kind of filling down the screen slowly 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 and me looking at it and thinking that's going to be the future and i was so sure and at the time it was so difficult to get mm. other people to to see that because i think people are often quite resistant to new things aren't they like new technology and so I imagine it was hard to get people on board to see that, you know, online, the online world was going to be something huge. And then, you know, now we're so used to being connected all the time. But I don't, let me, I'm trying to think when I got my first smartphone, I don't know, I was a teenager. So I don't know. It was 10 plus years after you launched an online business. Which was so ahead of the curve. So I've been doing it for a long time. And that's I think that's one of the things that I bring to this discussion is that I consider myself a bit of a digital canary. Yeah. I've been down the digital coal mine before everyone else. I was on screens 24-7. I mean, maybe not quite 24-7 before the smartphone, but certainly all the working day for a long time before everyone else was. So all the kind of negative and positive aspects were things I, I picked up on a while ago. Well, of course, I think that's what a lot of people feel as well, that if your job is linked to being online, that's almost a justification, which I feel like I want to ask you about in a little bit. But so then I think what's very interesting is how you made the switch from thinking, you know, my whole world and my whole business is online to something completely the opposite. How did that happen? I kind of see it as two sides of the same coin. So I don't ever think I've moved to a position where I think all tech and all digital is bad. Mm. So I don't feel I've switched in that way. Okay. But I think when I started, I was quite blind. And to be to be fair, I think most people are quite blind for the to the potential problems, the yeah. size of the potential problems. So I think all I saw when I started was opportunity mm. and the, the amazing things this world was going to create. And, you know, um, Tim Berners-Lee, you know, inventing the World Wide Web. So I, I launched two years after the World Wide Web was wow. um, kind of released to the world. That was 93 and then my business was 95. And I just thought this is the greatest information source, free information source the world's ever known. And she I is. want to be part of it. And I think the dark side came about, you know, we all became aware of that much later on in the journey. When do you? When did you start realising that there was a negative side to being connected all the time? I, I do remember one thing, which is reading an interview with Steve Jobs in 2010. So Steve Jobs kind of influenced both parts of my career because I met him in the 90s before I set did my... You? digital business up yeah he came to London and I happened to be at an event I, can't, I was very luckily given a ticket I shouldn't really have been there 
and I was the only woman in the room. They were all mm. IT directors. And I, so I went up and spoke to him after the event. It was quite a small event. Yeah. I think it was at the I Dorchester mean, Hotel. There's still a lot more men in tech than women, I yeah. imagine. Back yeah. then it was even... There were no... Yeah. I never saw women at events. Mm. But I remember going up and speaking to him and saying I was thinking of setting up a business on the World Wide Web. And I wish I could remember what he said. But ah. I remember he was, you know, encouraging. So he kind of... He was part of the inspiration for setting the business up. But then in 2010, I remember reading this article where the iPad had just been launched and a journalist from the New York Times went to see him and said, oh, Steve, I bet your kids are loving the iPad. I bet, you know, they're on it the whole time, but you have them at home. And he said, oh, no, we don't let our children use tech at home. Fascinating. And the, I think the headline was something like Steve Jobs is a low-tech parent. Mm. And I, I think that was the first thing that made me think, actually, does he know something that we don't know? And that's, I think, when I started my kind of journey into looking at potentially what some of the negatives might be. But you hadn't really noticed them in yourself yet. I think I had by then. Okay. Yeah. So I think I think focus and concentration was the big thing. So I remember suddenly realising I hadn't read a book for two years. Mm. Somebody asked me, what book are you reading? And I realised I hadn't read one. I had lots of books piled around my bedroom and I was picking them all up but I wasn't actually ever getting to the end. So I thought, I really can't concentrate the way mm. I used to. And I also remember thinking I just wasn't productive. I thought I'm spending so much time churning through email now. And I felt like I was doing less work than 10 years before because there seemed to be less interruptions. Mm. So I was actually able to sit down and kind of properly focus on a piece of work. And I thought, actually, I can't really do that anymore because mm. there's always, you know, a Slack notification or an email or a, an iMessage or something. So um, relatable. And sleep. Sleep was the other big thing for me. I was sleeping so badly. So all those things made me think, I wonder if it's because I'm spending all my time on screens. I wonder if that's the connection. So that kind of started me off on the journey of thinking... You know, and I was worried about other things like, you know, cyber safety and what was happening to our children online. Mm. You know, problems even then, back then, with news reporting and, you know, fake news. We call it fake news now. Mm. We didn't call it then. <laughs> and I just thought, I don't think we've stopped and thought, what's the, you know, potential downside of this world we've created? So I started, that's when I started looking into it. I think the children thing is really interesting. I feel like myself, I mean, my generation is in quite a unique position in that I sort of had my childhood, my real childhood, without screens and the internet and, yeah. you know, without being connected all the time. But then it was when I just turned 14, I got Facebook. A few years later, it was, you know, smartphones. Then it was all the social media. And so it's sort of been my teenage young adult and, you know, now just adult <laughs> life um, has always been connected but it's sort of I feel like I've, it's quite a unique position to be in but I, I can completely imagine that raising children as sort of arguably the first generation of children to have so much access to the online world and smartphones and all sorts of digital devices you know there's no rule book yeah so I think that's a big problem because I think we're, I mean, I call it a kind of tech adolescence. I think we're all mm. going through a tech adolescence because it has only been 12 years mm. since the iPhone. And I remember, again, one of those 
things when I was the only woman. I remember queuing up to buy the first iPhone in the car phone warehouse um, near where I live in London. And I was the only woman in the queue. And really? I de- yes. I was desperate to get my hands on this new thing that we'd heard such a lot about yeah. um, from the States. But that is only 12 years ago. So we've, you know, kind of as adults and parents, we've had to learn how to use the tech at the same time as mm. kids are using mm. it. And I think that's one of the big problems because we haven't yet worked out how to use mm. it properly. You know, part part of what I want to do with this podcast is talk to lots of different people and say, how should we be using it? You know, what what are the kind of things we could do differently? Um, and I think we will look back in 20 years' time and regret this period, actually, where we had kind of had a, you know, it's been described as the Wild West, mm. Wild West Web, yeah. where it was a free-for-all and, you know, anything went online and there was no real kind of, no boundaries yeah. and very little regulation. And I think we've all kind of got a bit carried away in, you know, the excitement. It's been, we've all been swept up in thinking, woohoo, internet technology, look at everything we can do, we're all yeah. running with it. And now I think we're just starting to stop and think, oh, hang on, maybe this actually isn't all great. So so I think there's an analogy with something like chocolate or processed carbs yes. that we've kind of binged on it. We got yeah. really excited when we discovered it and thought, this is amazing. And then we thought, actually, there maybe might we need yeah. to be a bit more moderate. Yeah. moderate yeah, maybe we need to rein back a little bit yeah. and not use it quite in the same way. Exactly. Maybe we can still have it in our lives, but we might need the healthy balance. Otherwise, it might not be so good for us. That is actually such a good analogy. Because you can still have chocolate, just totally. Yeah, that's why I don't like is. the alcohol and drugs or cigarettes. But a lot of people mm. use the analogy, you know, um, screens are the new smoking. And actually, I don't like that because we can all do without smoking. Smoking is entirely bad for you. Yeah, and <laughs> and I really aren't. don't think screens are. But I think you know, like lots of things in life, too much of anything is a bad. Yeah, thing. exactly. But I think that's what people like about you and your approach is that you're not saying go completely hippie-ish and give up your good devices forever because it's just not practical. No, it's completely unrealistic. I wouldn't want to give them up. No, you know, exactly. I'm, There's so many advantages. I just think we're, we're using them too much and we're using them to communicate and we're not connecting. And I think, you know, the, mm. that's one of the problems I've got with social media is that social media was ostensibly designed to connect us, but actually all it does is help us communicate and connection's a completely different thing. Mm, so true. So I remember you launching Time to Log Off. How many years ago was that now? Uh, 2014, so that's five years ago. Oh, time flies. Tell us about why you decided to do that. So I went on a trip to the West Coast of America. Lovely. And it was partly digital detox. So I spent about three months pretty much off screens. But it was partly also research. I wanted to go to Silicon Valley and I wanted to kind of go around all the big software platforms and the big social media companies and talk to people about what their view was about screens and tech life balance. And I was really pleasantly surprised to find there was quite a big logging off movement coming from Silicon Valley. Interesting. Coming from the people that had built the tech. Mm. They, They seemed to be kind of a bit like me, the most aware because they were involved in it. And I think I, I kind of looked back at the UK and thought no one's d- 
doing that in the mm. UK. No one's really taught. And, there are, you know, there are a couple of organisations in America, in uh, San Francisco and LA, and I thought there isn't a similar organisation in the UK and Europe that's about trying to just get together all the research that exists, trying to evaluate it, trying to raise the awareness. So I thought that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to go back. Had much research been done? Into, yes, yeah. yeah. I mean, you know, there's so many arguments within the academic community. It's really polarised. Really? <laughs> I don't want to say it's like smoking because I'm using <laughs> the wrong analogy. But, you know, when we were all trying to decide whether smoking was healthy uh-huh. or not, there were a lot of bits of research that said, no, it's not. And this mm. is, you know, this is, there's no evidence. And then there was research saying, but yes, it is. And that's exactly what we've got at the moment. We've got actually two quite polarised camps And it can get very heated online between the two, with the one camp saying there's literally no evidence to say that screens are bad for us. And the other camp saying, yes, there is. And here's the evidence. So we're in that kind of big debate at the moment. Um, So, yeah, the research exists on both sides. I'm a big fan of research, but I also am a big fan of gut and intuition. Yeah. And I think when the majority of people say, which they have done in, in... UK-wide surveys, that they think they're addicted to their device and that they really would like not to be on screens quite such a lot. We have to listen to them. You yeah. know, actually, we kind of don't need the research to tell us, I think, that there's a problem because I think we can see it. Hmm. Um, what's causing the problem is what a lot of the academics are arguing about. Right. Mm, very interesting. But I think you're totally right about... you. Can't, you know, you know yourself, you know. So obviously when you, you know, back in 95, you had resistance, you faced resistance to what you were trying to do. Yeah. So then five years ago, when you were, again, launching a new company that was very ahead of the curve, did you find there was a similar resistance? Absolutely, yeah. I remember some of the comments I got on Twitter and even from people I met who yeah. just went, you're so out of touch. What's happened to you? You know, And, and it was a kind of like, maybe you're just too old for the digital world now. Oh, God. Yeah, maybe it's That's just... so rude. It's just all moving too fast for you. But do you know what? I wasn't offended by it. Actually, none of it upset me because I because thought... Because you knew. Well, and also because I thought I've been here before. I remember, right. I, I remember a meeting in 95, 96 where someone told me no one would ever buy insurance online. It was a client who said... The internet's great, but no one's ever going to buy it online because they'll always want to come and talk to someone about their insurance needs. And I remember looking at him saying, absolutely, insurance is one thing that people mm, will buy online. Mm-hmm. So so I kind of felt the same thing about Time to Log Off, that even though people were, were saying, this is ridiculous, you're so out of touch, this is just the way the 21st century is, and, you know, the kids don't see a problem with using screens. I just... I, I just thought I could see a problem brewing on the horizon I thought there were just too many signs um and I thought they're going to catch up in a few years time and of course what's happened now is that everyone's talking about it yeah a hundred percent it's it's something that people talk about a lot yeah time spent away from their phone how much time they're spending on their screens and which is why I don't think we need research to tell us. Because yeah. if people are talking about it and saying, actually, I don't like this, I don't like how much time I spend, I don't, then we've got a problem, mm. haven't we? Or my friends say they love it when they don't go on their phones for an afternoon, a day, whatever it might be. I mean, personally, it makes me quite anxious, but that's part of the <laughs> issue, to be honest. Um, so uh, that's my own issue to work on. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? 
Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Cool fact: a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at uh1.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. JD Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in store. And now save fifty percent on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For JD Power twenty twenty three award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber dot com. So when when you sort of were aware of this new trend, this new movement, what was going to, how we were all going to shift. Did you then decide to make a conscious effort to cut down your own screen time? Yeah, absolutely. In fact, I'd done that. I started doing that before. Right. And I do always say, whenever I talk to anyone, I am not perfect. It's Mm. work in progress. Mm. And all the kind of little rules that I have for myself, pretty much, you know, that they're all broken at various times. Yeah. It's a bit like trying to eat healthily. Oh my God, yes. So, you know, I can do it 80% of the time and then yeah. 20% of the time I'm like, oh, I've taken my phone into the bathroom again. 80-20 or, rule. Or I've had, yeah, I've had, I've slept with it overnight. But yes, when I look back, particularly on social media, because, you know, Facebook has that really irritating but quite sometimes quite nice thing mm. of telling you this is what you were posting oh, yeah. 10 years ago or this time kind of eight years ago. I look at stuff I was posting, the frequency I was posting... And the kind of content I was posting and thinking, yeah, my whole relationship has really changed. Mm. I do think also just how people use Facebook has changed. That's changed, yeah. Well, I barely use Facebook anymore. It's dying. And it's not used at all by kids at school. No. Yeah. It's all, it's all aunties and uncles. <laughs> but I think, mo- I think most social platforms, I just post less than I used to. I think I just, yeah, I don't have that kind of you know, real attachment to my phone that I used to. I remember it, I've told this story before, but I remember the glass cracking once and taking it to be mended. So this this is before I kind of got into looking at, you know, digital details mm. and digital wellness and being told that the phone would have to be kept overnight to mend. And I had a meltdown <laughs> <laughs> in the middle of the store at the thought of being without my phone. Mm. And when I look back on that now, I think I laugh But at the time, I thought, how could I have got to a stage where just the thought of not being with this tiny little block of glass overnight is totally freaking me out? Mm. And whereas now I go out without my phone, 
I leave it behind. And do you enjoy that time being mm. disconnected? Yeah, because I, we, you know, we were talking earlier about some of the symptoms. One thing I really noticed was that I felt that I wasn't having ideas anymore. I felt I wasn't being creative. Right. And I'd always thought up to that point in my career that I was quite good at, with ideas. Yeah. But I got to a phase where I just thought I'm not having any ideas. And one of the things I noticed when I put my phone down is all the ideas came flooding back because we need white space yeah. for ideas. You know, that's why people talk about having a blank sheet of paper or staring at a white wall and getting inspiration and if we're filling our head all the time which Mm. is what I was doing there's no room Mm. so I love that about not having a screen when I have a period of time when I don't have my phone I'm full you know I'm writing scribbling down notes all the time about things new things I want to do Mm. because I've got a bit of headspace yeah I have my best ideas when I'm lying in bed at night trying Mm. to get to sleep I mean provided I don't then get up and go on my phone which occasionally happens even though I know it's exactly the wrong thing to do so what do you say to people who argue that because of their work or if they are I don't know an influencer or someone whose life is and career is very much online and they argue they need to be connected all the time what would you say to them so I think it's very hard for influencers and I've actually interviewed quite a few for the podcast exciting but I think they have to you know unless they're going to burn out and have you know kind of early early breakdowns all of them they have to try and put some kind of boundaries around what's work and what's them yeah and some of the influencers I've spoken to have tried to move social media onto their desktops and not have it on their phone Mm. so therefore they can say this is when I do my post this is when I do my engagement obviously you can't do that for Instagram but you know so annoying yeah but for people on desktop either but for Twitter and you know YouTube a lot of the YouTubers it's easy for them to shut then the the laptop and move away so yeah I mean most of us it's not just influencers most of us work on screens now we spend eight eight and a half hours a day on screens yeah so And, you know, social media is useful for promoting your business, for connecting with your your clients or whoever it might be. And look at all those hashtags that people can rally around if they've got a particular cause or an interest. You know, that's one of the best things about social media. But if we're honest, that's not how most of us are spending our time on social media. You know, we're scrolling aimlessly because we're a bit bored or Mm. we're sitting on the bus Mm. And we're kind of, you know, or there's possibly an awkward conversation or a, a social situation and we're just diving into our phone to escape it. Yeah. So those are the things that I, I always say to people to look out for, that when you're using your phone for a positive reason, because you want to engage with someone, you want to communicate, that's probably the really healthy way of using it. But when you're using it to escape from something, that's probably something that you should be looking at. I think as well for a lot of us, it's, it's just sort of habit you yeah, know, yeah. you get to the bus stop, it's a five-minute wait for the bus, you get your phone out of your pocket and have a scroll. And everyone does it. You know, you yeah. can look at a bus stop and everyone is on their phone. I and know. it's the same in the tube. So that's the other thing. I I don't think we should beat ourselves up about it. I really no. don't. I think it's the way the digital world was designed. You know, we are all slightly rats in a big experiment. <laughs> but actually, you know, there's some stuff that we just can't help doing because it's designed in a really clever way. So I don't think we're going to get very far if we keep telling ourselves, you know, we're uniquely bad at it, which which people do seem to mm. say to themselves. We're kind of all in it together. And I think that's why we've all got to work out a really good way of using it. 
What are the main benefits you felt personally since cutting down your screen time? So practical stuff like sleeping, creativity. Are you very strict about when you stop looking at screens before bed? So I'd love to say yes, Rachel. I'd love to say I have a really good rule and I'm always perfect at it. But I do try and, you know, leave a bit of space a couple of hours before bedtime. Oh, God, but a couple I am, of hours. I'm, I, I try and I'm lucky if I get 20 minutes. Yeah, I'm not. I'm really not. Harder. I'm really not perfect at the bedtime thing because also I'm a real night owl. So mm. actually I'm, I'm much better in the mornings at not looking at it. Oh, really? It, but late at night I've. That's, I would say that's one of the areas that I struggle mm. in that's still work in progress. But so then on the days that you do manage to not look at your phone for an hour or two before bed, I sleep find... really well. Yeah, you, much better. Really nice yeah. Well. And when I take people away on retreats, I would say the one thing that they all, you know, is unanimous. They all say what amazing sleep they've had. Really, that's so interesting. What What about, do you know much about, you know, you can get these sort of blue light blocking glasses? Yes. Do we think they're good or no? I think that, um, and it's a bit like screen time uh, and the equivalent on Google's, uh, on the Android handsets, they probably help a bit, but mm. nothing helps as much as putting our phones Because away. it's not just the light, is it? No. It's what you're seeing, stimulating. It's the stimulation, yeah. yeah it's not, not just the disruption to the melatonin, it's the fact that you, you're getting the social validation. You're getting, oh, someone's thought about me, oh, someone sent me a DM, someone's texted me, yeah. you know, and that keeps us alert. But going back to your point about yes. what I've, the benefits... Yes. I would say relationships okay. have a big benefit. Expand. because Well, because I think that we have all... Well, we did all go through a period where we thought if we liked a post on Facebook or we made a comment on someone's Insta feed, we, we'd kind of pulled up with them. That was enough mm. for us to keep in touch and keep friends, you know, friendship mm. going. And I think we are all starting to realise, and I definitely started to realise a few years ago, that that's just not enough. You know, social media actually is really good for keeping us in touch with people who live a long way away and they're people yeah. who live in the States and Australia that I'm really glad I can still see. But I was using social media to keep in touch with people that didn't live very far away from me and, mm. and then not actually making the effort to see them. So, you know, I think relationships improve and, you know, relationships within a family, if you've got screens all the time when you're trying to talk to somebody, one of the things that I really started to hate and I know that I used to do it is being out for a drink with someone or a meal and having someone pick their phone up in front of me and you immediately think oh well am I not interesting mm. enough yeah very true but I know I used to do it yeah. I remember doing it I used to say to somebody oh I'm really sorry I just need to answer this email thinking it was okay I remember once um, being at a dinner party and it was a lovely dinner party and I didn't look at my phone or do anything on my phone for I don't know four or five hours and when the dinner party ended and I did look at my phone, I had a bunch of concerned messages <laughs> from my family being like, Rachel, Where have you been? we haven't yeah. heard from you, we haven't posted anything, are you alive? And I was like, this says a lot about how much I'm usually <laughs> on it. <laughs> so yeah, I think that's really nice if cutting down does mean that you build and connect better with people in real life. I think we all have to think. I mean, if we're all spending eight and a half hours a day now on screens and that's relatively recent, what were we doing with those eight and a half hours before? Couldn't I? And some of it will be socialising. Some of it will be getting together mm. with friends and having, you know, drinks. Some, some of it will be fitness, you know, oh, running, yes. you know, keeping fit, playing a sport. There's a lot of stuff that we stop doing when yeah. screens came into our lives and I think 
everyone needs to kind of look at that and think, am I happy with all the stuff I used to do that I no longer do that actually I probably really liked? Mm. And am I happy that I've swapped that with scrolling on Instagram or endless YouTube videos? So for me, it's about spending time with people that I love and friends and family. But for other people, it might be something completely different. It might be playing a sport that they used to play and they love. I know you've just taken up netball again haven't you yeah my gosh I actually I love netball so much and actually that is something I really like is that when I'm playing a netball match or I'm in a yoga class or whatever class it might be I can't look at my phone mm. and that's actually really nice because it's just for an hour or so and I know that you know I might when I look at my phone afterwards there might be a few messages or something but it's not going to be overwhelming I have to say when I'm in the gym, however, I do have my phone with me, but that's because I'm actually tracking my workout and keeping notes on my phone uh, because it's easier than having a, you know, a notebook and paper to write down how many reps I'm doing and what exercises I'm doing. So I know that it's, it's perhaps not ideal, but... Uh, it's, it's... So the yoga thing is really interesting because that was one of my kind of pivotal moments as well. I remember being in a yoga class with a guy who had his phone at the top of his mat. Mm, you do see that. So as he was coming down from Downward Dog, mm. he was checking his phone. And I no. remember looking at him, he was next to me on the mat, and I thought, is that okay now then? I thought that, I thought yoga classes were kind of a space where you didn't have a phone. And that, that yeah. was three years ago. And I that was again one of those moments when I thought, really, he can't leave that phone outside in the locker in his pocket you know he can't even take 50 minutes for a class because yoga is meant to be as much about the mind as the body yeah, yeah. And so if you're thinking about your phone like you are not getting those mental benefits i think another really great thing about the fact that we are now much more aware about our mental health is great because i think that's really linked to screen time phones totally. I, I mean i'm not yeah i wouldn't say would you well what do you think about, do you think phones and digital devices are, you know, a huge factor in people having mental health issues? Well, we've got some research about heavy smartphone users and anxiety. Right. That whole kind of dopamine surge when you get all the notifications yeah. and what that does to the brain when you have it happening over a prolonged period of time. And you, I mean, you can see people getting quite jittery mm. about checking. So I think there's some stuff about anxiety. For me, I think a lot of the mental health issues are around social media. Yeah. And, you know, everybody talks about them. We, we all know what they are, don't we? We all know that body comparison, that fear of missing out, yeah. that constant stream of perfect lives, perfect bodies, everyone having a great time. And even though one of the things I like that's happened in the last kind of 12 months is there are more and more people posting real lives. Mm. Um, you know, this is me, warts and all. This is what, you know, post-pregnancy body looks yeah. like. This is, you know, me without any filters. That does happen more. But there's still an awful lot of people... True posting perfection and yeah. they've got millions I'm, I'm thinking kardashians you know, they have got what what's kim kardashian got 60 million followers Something on instagram like that. and that's all about that perfect airbrush life and i think you know they they can't help but be a negative impact particularly if you're young mm. so i'm not saying that you know <laughs> When you get over 40, you're suddenly, you, you know, know, you're suddenly really cool about all of this stuff. Thanks, Rachel. <laughs> um, but I think when you're young and you're starting out, particularly you're, you're on social media from 13. Yeah. You know, that must be. I can't imagine because it didn't happen to me. It didn't happen to you. But well, that bombard. Yeah, you did. Um, but that bombardment constantly of that, you know, amazing lifestyle must be really hard. 
You have to curate your feed, I think. Absolutely, yeah. And all those people, when I do talks in schools, I actually normally give them a few people to follow and say, you know, follow people who are really diverse, follow mm. people who are from a different background, different views, and follow people who are uplifting. Yeah. You know, it actually, you know, goes back to, you know, the whole mental health thing. If you don't feel good when you've been scrolling through Instagram... You're either doing it for too much or you're looking at the wrong things. Exactly. So, you know, you need to think, uh, when I spend my, you know, 20 minutes on Instagram, do I come off feeling, oh, that was great. I, you know, yeah. I really loved that. Or do I come off feeling a bit kind of Feeling flat? rubbish about yourself. Yeah. Feeling yeah. like you're inferior. Yeah. It's not what it's about. You've got to, I think, be more mindful about it, haven't you? Yeah. Also, people should read your books. <laughs> that was <laughs> the worst segue ever. <laughs> but before we finish up, can you tell us all a little bit about your books, how you found writing them, etc.? So I never thought I'd write a book, but I was approached by my publisher to write the first book. Love it. Which is off. And that's the kind of little pocket book, which is about the size of a smartphone. So the idea is, you know, you don't take your smartphone, See maybe on the bus or tube, you take a copy of off. And that was aimed at kind of adults, really. Everybody who thought actually maybe there are some things I can do to spend less time on screen so lots of suggestions lots of ideas because I don't think there's a one-size-fits-all I don't think I could write no. a plan that says this is the definitive way of using a smartphone healthily so it was lots of ideas and then the second book Stop Staring at Screens is is really for parents and children so it's about a kind of a book that parents and children can read together because I didn't want parents to have a manual of how mm. to deal with their children. Mm. I wanted everyone in a family to be able to read it and say, do you know what, maybe as a family we need to think about our screen use. That's great because as well I think a lot of teenagers, kids, young adults will often, there'll be a family dinner and it's the parents who keep getting their phones out. I actually. hear it all the time yeah. and I get really cross actually one of the things I do in all interviews whenever people ask me about you know do you think kids have a problem with screens I always say I think we need to look at adults to have a problem with screens as well because mm. I think there's a lot of pointing of fingers at you know the kind of millennials and gen the millennials z get so much you criticism do. you get a lot of stick <laughs> I know people are so mean to us but actually I've seen at least one bit of research that says it's the baby boomers that are really struggling with disconnecting from screens yeah so we've all got issues yeah <laughs> great well let's all read the books and then reach nirvana with our digital devices <laughs> you sound as though you don't think that's possible no i do i just know that i need to work on it myself but i'm feeling very inspired now I well feel very inspired. they say progress not perfection that's yes. that's what we're aiming at just to make a little bit more progress every time well exactly and it's so inspirational to hear you know your personal journey and that sounds so sort of hippie and airy fairy to talk about a journey but it was a journey. And you're it has still been on a it. bit of a journey, and, yes, definitely. You know, and that's amazing now that you you feel so much better and now you're encouraging other people to do the same. And I think you're helping a lot of people. Thank you. We, I think we have to end now. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for listening to this episode of It's Complicated. If you haven't already, please do subscribe, rate and review the podcast on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts from. It helps other people find us and it means you get a helpful little notification when a new episode becomes available. For more about getting a healthy balance with tech, you can follow me, Tanya Goodin, or Time to Log Off on Instagram and Twitter. 
And both my books, Off and Stop Staring at Screens, are available on Amazon and at all good bookshops. Finally, for more information about this and other episodes in the podcast series, visit itstimetologoff.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. My business used to be weighed down by the complexities of in-person payments. Then, Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe came along and changed everything. With Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe, I streamlined my payment process effortlessly. Now I can accept in-person, contactless payments right from my iPhone. No extra hardware required. What's truly remarkable is how I can cater to all of my customers' payment preferences. Whether they're using cards, Apple Pay, or other digital wallets, Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe ensure a smooth checkout experience every time. And it's not just me. Stripe helps businesses of all sizes, from local markets to global retailers, scale quickly and stay agile. To learn how Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe can help grow your revenue and reach, visit stripe.com slash tap iPhone. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. 